Welcome to Naked and Counting, the longest-running podcast serving the Afro-Latin dance community. I'm Magna Gopal. And I'm Leon Rose. We're here to discuss the topics that you want to hear in an informative and light-hearted way. What is happening, Magna Gopal? Not much, Leon. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Uh, I just uh, suffering from swollen feet the other day. Oh, nice. Like my swollen knee syndrome. There you go. <laughs> You know what it was? I was dancing too much. Yeah. I've never had that before. Actually, the last time I had it when you was over in Paris. <laughs> and I danced so much and I couldn't walk properly for the next for the next 24 hours. And I just had the same thing happen again. I don't know what's going on. It's called old had age. My... No, 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 no. Yes. No, these are young feet. If you look at my feet, you touch them they're like baby feet. I have seen your feet and I will never touch them. <laughs> I'm looking forward to you coming over to stay again, huh? <laughs> I feel torture. <laughs> torture in my future. I'm going to rub your top lip with my foot. <laughs> well, hey, I got a question for you. All right. Do you know that song, Under Pressure? Look, I don't remember the words. I should have looked up the words. Yeah, I know you I don't know the saying. words. <laughs> I think you're like half of the people out there, they don't know the rest of the words. So. <laughs> But it made me think, and now I know we've talked about the topic of asking for dances, getting rejected from dances, being resilient about getting out there and asking again, and also not taking things personally. But I'm not sure that we uh, really went into detail with uh, this avenue of rejection and receiving rejection and expectations and uh that song under pressure comes to mind because i don't think we understand the different levels of pressure that exist for different dancers let's let's hear it then magda okay so for example preach it sister <laughs> there are many times that i have done live chats, uh, posted videos, uh, audio podcast on the topic of rejection and the importance of receiving it gracefully, moving on and continuing to pursue the things that you are trying to pursue. And many times I have gotten comments from people that say, you know, the scene is the way it is because people say yes to each other. So we shouldn't be encouraging people to say no. And then most often, somewhere in that comment is inserted the sentence, I always say yes whenever I'm asked because that's the right thing to do or because I want to make sure I pay it forward, et cetera, et cetera. And it is a beautiful sentiment indeed. And obviously, I've given many reasons for why it's acceptable to say no, but I I feel like the way it's presented and it's okay if you always say yes great more power to you but i don't know if the projection from those comments is acknowledging that there's a different level of pressure on them versus an artist and it doesn't even have to be an artist it could be um your dancer who was in the community that everybody knows that dances with everyone at a party versus you who just joined who don't know anybody so the, that dancer is not even an artist or a teacher or a performer or anything like that they're just better known 
So the pressure element of it is maybe you get asked to dance in a night of dancing five times and you always say yes, bravo. That's five requests that you said yes to. But that dancer who's always being asked in a night of four hours is being asked every single song. So you got five, six songs per hour. They got 20 plus requests in the night, right? So you're saying, I always say yes. Should they also always say yes? Or what about an artist who's going to a weekend event and you're dancing, forget the four hours, you're dancing from 10 p.m. to 5, 6 a.m., eight hours, and you're doing that three to four nights in a row, and you're being asked almost every single song, should you say yes to? It's a totally different level of pressure and expectations on someone who is um, more in demand by nature of the quality of dancing, by their status, or just by the fact that people know them versus someone who's not as much in demand. To For that person, that the second person to sit there and say, well, I always say yes, and we should, we, total, all of us should always say yes. Yeah, I do hear what you're saying. I've definitely felt the pressure. I've definitely been out there and felt like I have to dance as much as I can because I know people are expecting that of me. But physically, can I do that? Like right now with my swollen feet? <laughs> I can't. You know, these are real issues that we we come across. So that there is a pressure. And, you know, there's another type of pressure for me personally that happens is like, when I am asked to dance, I know sometimes people are expecting a performance. And now that's that that sometimes when you're not feeling that moment, that can sometimes spoil the dance and it becomes like a real job. You know, if the cameras come out all of a sudden everybody makes a mistake, uh, makes space. There's a hell of a lot of pressure on you to not mess up. We're human. We mess up all the time. I mess up all the time, but I don't want that out there you know there's there's that can hold you back as well that's a brilliant point and a great extension of the pressure because that's another thing that exists with really good dancers performers or instructors that doesn't really exist with the average dancer if i just started dancing nobody knows me and i'm just kind of learning and someone asked me to dance they're not expecting a performance they're not expecting to be able to do all of their moves and make sure i execute them and give me tons of spins and you know waiting for me to show up a certain way they're just asking because they want to be able to dance to that song that's playing and that is another level of pressure too that is very different from one dancer to another Imagine getting uh, your worst dance filmed and posted all over the internet. This happens. I know. Isn't our dance one of our dances <laughs> when you were <laughs> sick and all that stuff in Malaysia? Oh, my God. I was so <laughs> sick. And that video was posted. You know, that's why I don't like to read comments as well. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, what if it's your, if every dance you're having is being recorded, and then getting posted. And that's another level of pressure too, because now people might not see your good dances where you're having fun. They see the dance where you're not, you look like you're not having fun or you're making mistakes or whatever. How would you feel? And again, back to pressure, 
how many eyes if if a random person posts a video unless they go viral for some reason you got your family and friends checking out your videos and so most of the comments you're going to get will probably be supportive but if you are on another level um with a larger audience or an artist now you have you know thousands of random people people that like what you do, people that don't know what the hell you do, people that don't like you or don't like your style. And all of those people feel emboldened to comment because they're anonymous on the internet. And now you got all of that pressure too. Some of them, I know who some of them are as well. I'm sure. <laughs> but but basically there, there are so many different levels of pressure uh, on and and they vary. There are different levels of pressure and they vary dancer to dancer and they will vary time to time for each dancer as well, depending on how long you stick it out in the career or in the, the social community, depending on how quickly you improve, um, how social you are, how you interact with others, that pressure is going to change on you too. And my request really is just be mindful of that. Like with your own comments, understand that you say you always say yes because of the way you're being asked, the number of times you're being asked, the conditions under which you're being asked, and what's expected of you. And if you're if you were put into someone else's shoes, you might not have that same response. And if you can't guarantee that you would, and first of all, we can't even guarantee that you'll be put into that shoe. Because maybe you have aspirations to be a world international performing artist, but you'll never get there. So we can't even put you Ooh, into those. You've we, been told by Magna Gopal. <laughs> no, but we, we can't even put you into that position of feeling that level of pressure. You know, uh -huh. so you could understand. But if you can, if you're if you're one of those people who's like, well, I always say yes. So why doesn't everybody always say yes? Just try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and say, if the conditions were different, if the expectations were different, if the pressure levels were different, would I truly be able to say yes all the time? I think no. I've tried. It doesn't work. I need toilet breaks. I need to sit down with my, my knees swelled up. Uh, it's, it's impossible. It is impossible. And I try to be as nice as I can about it, but come on. You can't expect us to, to not sit down for a whole, a whole night. Well, question for you, Leon. I mean, do you remember when you first started to your level where you're at now? Can you recall how often you were asked to dance in a night versus how often you're asked to dance when you are a featured artist at an event? You know, it's funny. In England, it's I found it a little bit different than, for example, Paris or even New York. You know, in London uh, and in England, you could go to a club and as a guy and you're always going to get asked to dance. You know, for years, I never asked anybody to dance, but I would always get asked to dance. So it wasn't. Was it because there were like just a general more female dancers um, versus men, like male, like more followers and leads? And so you just had to get your request in. Um, A lot of places. They, they, it depends on who the strong instructors are. 
if the strong instructor is a female, you're going to get maybe a lot more female uh, dancers of a certain level. If they're mostly male, you're going to get more male dancers. And in this industry, well, not industry, when the salsa business, um, when it comes to classes, followers generally uh, start ahead and then uh, the leaders kind of come up fast and kind of uh, almost become, you know, accelerated dancers. Well, we did talk about that in a previous episode, but I I would say that I think that there, in general, there are more followers and leads because let's say you have a female teaching. You have most likely, maybe there's partner work being taught, but most likely there's a lot of stuff that's pertaining directly to the follower herself, mm -hmm. right? Or himself. Um, but leaders, male instructors who are teaching are teaching patterns, in which case you need followers in that class too. So in a workshop directed by a male instructor, a leader, you most likely have patterns which require followers to be present. But a follower, a female instructor leading that workshop or a follower leading that workshop, you might have no leads at all. It could just be styling. It could just mm -hmm. be those elements. And so now you have extra followers on the dance floor. What I'm talking about is is is, is that, but I'm talking about, you know, in partnerships, so if you've got a couple teaching and if, for example, the male, uh, the the leader of that partnership is the more dominant one, you're going to get a lot of people, a lot of uh, followers, no, leaders that are going to follow this person. And if you've got a lot of, uh, if you've got a, um, a female or a follower that is dominant in the class, and I've seen that, the the, the they're given a lot more time to to do their stuff. And you may get um, more female dancers that are at a higher level that can follow or look like they're um, special on the dance floor. So they might get that attraction. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So so your experience as a lead when you were starting out is not like my experience as a follower. I, guess it, I think it would be different. I was kind of spoiled for years. I never asked anybody to dance. In the beginning... I've said this many times. I'd only dance with my mom because I was scared to ask these women to dance. You know, when I did, now it kind of comes back to the thing. When I finally did, it it felt bad when I got rejected. And I'm like, Jesus, that means I'm not good enough. I don't want to ask anybody else because, you know, and if I did ask again and the dance didn't go well, that would hold me back. But when I got to the point where I was a decent dancer, where I was getting um, the pick, you know, it was, uh, I danced a lot. I did dance a lot, but uh, obviously I could have my breaks. You know, I wasn't obligated to dance. I didn't feel obligated to dance. And then when I got to the point where I was a, an instructor and all of a sudden now the role has kind of changed. I need to be on the dance floor, you know? So the pressure the, the is love, Yeah, yeah. The love gets overtaken by that pressure, even though there's sometimes that love still comes out that passion, like what we talked about in the other episode is still there, but you know, it, it can become a job. Yep. So I think I need to like, kind of um, really control my pauses, control my breaks. Cause I don't want it to just be a job. I don't want to be out there dancing, dancing all night and not have a smile on my face and have everybody feel that I prefer to have half the amount of dancers, but 
people who I'm dancing with, people that are looking, people that uh, I'm dancing with, feel that I'm actually enjoying it. Absolutely. Yep. And when I started, I know that, well, I wasn't that great. There were many female dancers on the dance floor and very it's few. It's because of those boots that you used to wear. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, very few good leaders. And yeah, I wasn't the one being asked. And so I could have said also in the beginning when I started dancing, I, was, I would say every time I was asked, I always said yes. But that's because I got asked maybe five times or three times in a night, which changed dramatically as my career uh, started to grow in this industry. And also on a side note, speaking of Leon's mom, I had a chance to finally speak to her in a video call and it was the best thing ever. And I just want all of our listeners to know, Leon's mom listens to all of our episodes and she's there. She's out there watching. She's out there listening. <laughs> she's, she's, oh, boy. she's lurking in the shadows and she oh, is boy. hilarious. Oh my goodness. If we could ever do an episode with your mom, yeah, I I don't know. Mom, you let me know. <laughs> yes, we we would love to. I, I just want to say, Mom, yes, we would love to have you on an episode. And, and see, nobody will know your face. They won't see your face, so they won't be able to recognize you. But they'll hear your voice, and I, I think it would be a real treat. Everybody knows her on the scene in the UK. If they've yeah. ever passed through the doors of SOS, they know who she is. But in saying that, if you have any family members or even if they're not part of your family and they've never heard of this podcast, why not share it? That's what we're here for. We want to share the love. Tell somebody. And also give us a rating on uh, Spotify and all the other platforms that you find us on because it really helps. We don't know who's out there listening. We know you're there, but we don't know everybody. So let us know. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let us know. And don't forget to check us out at Naked and Counting on Facebook and Instagram at Mr. Leon Rose and at Magna Gopal. And we will catch you in the next episode. Don't forget to check out Magna's other podcast, Empowered. <laughs> Until the next time. Bye-bye.